The story of Jonah is one we all know so well that thinking of it as food for our Lenten journey might be a bit difficult. It's a story that we, many of us, learn among the first stories of the Bible and usually through a a child-type book illustrated with cartoon characters and how ridiculous the story all sounds. But perhaps it can be food for our Lenten journey if we can hear Jesus speaking through it. The story begins by telling us that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. It's a bit of a John the Baptist type mission that God has given Jonah. But... Instead of the obedience of Our Lady, Blessed Mary, who despite having herself questions about how exactly to cooperate with God, nonetheless answered God, let it be unto me according to thy word, Jonah fled. He fled not to Christ, as we are always to do when faced with temptation. Rather, Jonah fled not to, but from the Lord. Confronted by the light of God's guidance, by his word, which is a lantern under his feet and our feet, and a light unto our paths, Jonah chose instead to turn to his shadows and dwell in them. He chose to pretend that his conscience was not pricked by the call of God, he pretended, you might say, to forget God's law. Jonah fled by boat. And while on the boat, the great wind of the demons made for a mighty tempest on the sea. His conscience began to gnaw at him. And the whole world feels like a tempest when our conscience gnaws at us. Or at least a little tempest. So, because his conscience began to gnaw at him, he offered himself up to be thrown off the boat. Better to become suicidal than simply to say yes to God, Jonah evidently concluded. Some people make the same conclusion. God saw all this, for the eyes of God are always upon those who fear him. And yes, deep down, Jonah did fear the Lord. It was just complicated, buried under his sin. Jonah, deep down, was in awe of God's majesty and power. 
You have to be to be able to even hear God speaking to you in the first place, which Jonah did. That's where the story begins, after all. Him hearing God's voice. So, But despite being in awe of God's majesty and power somewhere in there, he attempted to avoid, it, to avoid God. But God took control of the great fish, the story relates. God's working of love and protection kept Jonah, sinful Jonah, in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights. It was during these three days and three nights that Jonah, if you recall this part of the story, although it doesn't often show up necessarily in the kids' version, Jonah prayed to God. When left evidently to his own devices and free will, Jonah was filled with pride and chose not to follow God's will, but to follow his own will. But when he's put into a three-day, three-night timeout by God, Jonah remembered that he was a creature and that God was the creator of all. And his prayer while in the belly of the great fish, and by the way, it's a great fish, it's not a whale, but details, details, details. While his prayer in the belly of the great fish deserves to be heard this day, it's not very long. Jonah prayed this way. I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and thou didst hear my voice. For thou didst cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood was round about me. Flood, like the flood of Noah. All thy waves and thy billows passed over me, he prayed. And then I said, I am cast out from thy presence. We ask God shortly in our liturgy to cast us not out of his presence. I am cast out from thy presence, Jonah said. How shall I again look upon thy holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep was round about me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet thou didst bring up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Again, Jonah's remembering. When, thou, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to thee into thy holy temple. Whenever we remember the Lord, our prayer comes into his holy temple. He finished by saying, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their true loyalty. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to thee. What I have vowed, I will pay. 
And his last statement is, deliverance belongs to the Lord, exclamation mark. Quite a prayer. It's worth meditating on, perhaps. And I invite you all to, in these opening days of Lent, or perhaps after them as well, crack open your Bible and open to the book of Jonah, read it, and then spend time with this prayer. It's a glorious one. And indeed, deliverance does belong to the Lord. And this refrain is taken up into the third psalm, which reads, Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Thy blessing be upon thy people. And after this glorious prayer by Jonah, upon being vomited out of the fish upon the dry land, And vomiting is indeed a rich and accurate metaphor for what it means to purge our sinful ways. We vomit them out. Jonah again heard the word of the Lord while on the dry ground. And this time he began now to imitate our ladies, let it be, where before he had not imitated it, he arose and went into Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord, we are told. He's following God's will. And in the city, Jonah cried, get 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And in a great surprise to Jonah, the people of Nineveh believed him. When we say things genuinely from our heart, as God would have them say, people will believe us. They believed him and began to repent of their sinful ways. Because they were honest about themselves, I mean the people of Nineveh, because they were reality-based, which is another word for humility, God did not destroy the city, but continued to keep it afloat in the ocean of his grace. And yet, instead of rejoicing, Jonah was exceedingly displeased, and he was angry. His prayer to God where it, uh, in the belly of the fish was glorious now takes a remarkably different turn. He says to God, I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful. See what I mean? He understood God from the beginning. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and repentest of evil, Jonah said. But then he said, Therefore now, O Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Again with the suicide. I don't know if he needs a shrink, but he's certainly pretty petulant. And to prove his petulance, out of the city he went, and I prefer to think that out of the city he stopped, (laughs) and sat under a plant that God had made for him out of God's love for Jonah to provide him shade in the hot weather. And then to prove again his powerful love, the plant withered the very next day from a God-appointed worm. And again in anger, Jonah asked for suicide. 
Brothers and sisters, I think it's a fair thing to say that Jonah was a hot mess. He knew God's will. He knew God's love. He knew God's power. He was constantly fighting it and then embracing it in odd ways and then the fighting and then the embracing and back and forth and back and forth. Now, we might find the story of Jonah comical, even comical as to be a farce. And yet, brothers and sisters, think about it. How far away from Jonah are we really in our lives? Are we not closer to Jonah? The fighting of God, the embracing of God, the fighting of God, the embracing of God, back and forth. Are we not closer to that than we might care to admit? St. Paul wrote these words to the Romans, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Is that not us? Are we not, too, a bit of a hot mess? The appropriate response to recognizing this difficult truth of being a mess, and we all are, the appropriate response to recognizing this, which is revealed to us by God's grace through the shining light of his son Jesus on the cross, is the response of the tax collector. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The church, the church has turned those words into what it calls the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. There is nothing more that needs to be said this Lent than that. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. No need to make it more complicated or qualified than those simple words. For if we make it more complicated and qualified, our prayer is not the prayer of the tax collector, but of the Pharisee. So let us this Lent always held up by God's love in the ocean of His grace. Not even lift up our eyes to heaven, but rather beat our breast and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner.